0: Okay, I shared the source sheet in the chat two different times because a few people joined after I added it the first time, so you can find the source sheet in the chat. As a teacher, you know that there are certain words that I don't know how to say this nicely, but if you don't know what to say about a kid, you describe them that way. Just like if you were going to write on a report card, this is a fantastic kid. You you know what they're talking about. They're fantastic. They have great needs. They're well-behaved. If you write, this child is a challenge, it's a little unclear, but you know this kid is difficult. What does the teacher mean when the teacher says that your child is Interesting. Interesting. I'll give you a little insight. When a teacher writes that your child is interesting, unless they really have the most fascinating interests and abilities, they just really don't know what to say about your kid and they're trying to be nice. So it's kind of like the inside teacher knowledge that you can say a kid is interesting. They are unique, right? Unique is another good one. It's a nice way of saying something very unclear. No one really knows what you're getting at. Everyone can take it however they would like to interpret it. And in this week's Parsha, we have a descriptor that's very similar to interesting or unique in that we have a character who is very clearly described in one way, but we walk away not really knowing what to take away from that statement. You'll see what I'm saying in a moment. But when we read this pasuk, we're going to say, oh, we know all about that person. We know they are a great person. But do we really gather that from the descriptor that's used? And if not, what do we gain from the descriptor that's used in that pasuk? So what are we talking about? We are in this week's parsha. Parsha's told us and we start off the parsha with Rivka having a very strange pregnancy. Rivka feels that the there's something, there's a fight going on inside of her. That <speaking in Hebrew> she feels the baby's fighting inside of her, and she, <speaking in Hebrew> she goes to seek out Hashem's counsel. What is going on inside of her? and she is told that there are two nations within her. She is pregnant with twins, and they are going to turn into two nations. Rivka then births those twins, and we know we now have the next generation of the Jewish people, Yaakov and Esau. They are the continuation on from Avraham through to Yitzchak. Now we are on to the next generation. And now, when we arrive in Bereshia's Parachaf we are told a little bit about who Yaakov and Esav are. We see already from the Nivua that comes before their birth, and even the story of their birth, where Yaakov is holding on to the heel of Esav, that there is going to be something fascinating with these twins. We are really going to learn a lot about both of them, but we are first inter- introduced to them in terms of their personalities when it comes to gracious Baruch So what are we told? The young boys grew up. There are different interpretations of what age or what point in their life they're at now. Some say they are 13. Some say they are actually 15, based on certain calculations with when Avram Avinu died, in the context of the rest of their story. But they are somewhere around adolescence. So the pasuk says, "Vaydelu hanarim." The boys grew up. Vayhi Isav ishu deetzayid. Isav is a man who knows how to hunt. Ish sadah. He is a man of the field. Yakov ish tam yushiv ohalim. And Yaakov is a ish tam yushiv ohalim. He is a dweller of tents. Now, Tom. If I were to ask you to unmute, I'm sure I would get answers. Oh, actually, let's do it. Does anyone want to translate the word Tom for me? What is an ish Tom? There are several. I... There's there's interpretations of Tom. So it can be simple. He can be simple. he, but he can he can also be um, just a nice person, or even. Laid back. I mean, okay, simple or laid back. I received in the chat guileless. Do Innocent. we have any other answer? Innocent, sure. Innocent. Innocent. Any other suggestions? Okay, so as Mrs. Eisenberg said, we have so many interpretations of the word Tom that I can't just simply run through the puzzle and say, okay, and Esau knew how to hunt and Jacob was blink. We don't know what Jacob was. Was he simple? Was he, I don't know, was he guileless? Was he innocent? Was he laid back? What is this Tom? So what I want to investigate today is what exactly are we learning about Yaakov from this pasuk? And we're going to try three different approaches to understand the word Tom. The first approach is we are going to delve into the Mepharshim on this pasuk specifically. The next approach we're going to take is maybe we'll actually look at a dictionary. Maybe the dictionary will help us to understand, because we're going to see the in Farshim, are going to have many approaches. The third approach that we are going to take is we are going to look at other places throughout Tanakh and our liturgy where the word Tam comes up. And we are going to try to come to a conclusion of what is this Mida of Yaakov. The Yaakov, right away when we're introduced to him, is a Yaakov Ish Tam, which means we are not going to stop at reading over that report card and saying, Emma is a unique student. Okay, I don't understand what the teacher was trying to say. She's probably not too bad, or they would have written that. She's probably not too fantastic, or they would have written that. So it's just unique. But with Yaakov Avina when this is the main descriptor that we are given of him, when we are first introduced to him, when he has reached adolescence, a point of us really being able to understand his personality, we're not going to stop at that. We really want to understand what being a Tom is, and in turn, as we develop this, what ideas we can take for ourselves. Is this something we want to be? What is this quality? And how do we use it in our lives? So to begin, we are going to use that first approach, which is we are going to delve into the Mepharshim on this pasuk itself. So the Ketav kabbalah says, the be'avram k'tiv tamim. When it comes to Abraham, when the Pasuk is describing Avraham, it says, So the same descriptor is used for Avraham, but it says, He is, we'll see that actually in the Pasuk later on. I can quote you the Pasuk in a moment. Hold on. It says, Walk before me and be Tamim. So the Ktava Kabbalah is commenting here that Avraham is on the path to being a Tam, the Tamim, He is instructed to be Tamim. Whereas Yaakov is more Shalim in the words of the Ktava Kabbalah because he has reached this status of being a tam, what is that status? This means that there was nothing of, of fault. Psolat is literally garbage. There is no garbage left within him. Everything in Yaakov is perfect. This means that he, he contains within him nothing negative. The, ha- the netziv in Ha'im Davar comments and says, Ishtam mutmam im Anashim Mashabipiv kach bilibar. The Nitziv in the Ha'im Davar has a different approach, whereas the Tava Kabbalah means that someone who is tam, it means they are completely perfect. There is nothing that is within them that should be disregarded. There is nothing they should get rid of. The netziv, however, is saying, Mutmam im anashim. They are sincere. There is a sincerity to this tamimus. Being tamim means you are sincere, that you are the same on the inside and the outside. We know famously that, Avra, that Aaron ha Hakoin was known for possessing this quality. I don't believe the word tam is used by Aaron, but he is described as someone it that toho kiboro. Everything that he showed on the outside Was the same on the inside. Whatever was on the inside showed on the outside. He was a sincere, wholehearted person. So the Nitziv is saying that's what Yaakov was. He was the same on the inside and outside. What you saw was what you got. The Ibn Ezra comments and says First, we have to understand Esau. Who was Esau? Yudayat Sayed. Yitafsu fat Esav kihu ishtam. Asav was one who was a master of trickery. He was cunning. He was sly. He was a hunter at heart. He was willing to do anything, trick anyone, or anything, usually in his case, in order to make that catch. He was a hunter that was used to fooling these animals. However vi yaakov hefech Yaqov yaakov was the opposite of Esav, ki hu ishtam. because he was an ishtam. gam Esav is sada vi yaakov yoshev ohalim. Esav was a man of the field, whereas yaakov was in his tent. vi takhim hiyok per jo ohal umekanet. And it is possible that it is describing this, that what is a Yosheba halim he is one who dwells in the tent, and all, the, when he ventures out is to be a shepherd. He is a homebody. He stays bound to his tent. So what is the Abednego telling us? What is being an Ishtam? It means that he is the opposite of Esau. That if Esau is a master of trickery, being a Tam seems to be the opposite of that. The Malvim expands on that and says, That Yaakov was the opposite of Esau in what way? In that there was nothing cunning or sly about him. He was not at all a hunter. He would not have been cut out at all to be a hunter. Shehatzida kolal gam anashim Because hunters also have this ability not only to trick animals and to capture animals, but also to trick and capture people. And Yaakov being an Ishtam was the opposite of that. So there is this idea that they were just polar opposites and that we are meant to understand Yaakov and his Tamimahs in opposition to Esau, that Esau was a Yodaya Tzayed. What is it, a Yodaya Tzayed? Not just that he was a hunter, but he really knew how to hunt. He truly internalized and epitomized this Mida of being a trickster, of being someone who was cunning, who was sly, who was always able to trick somebody. Yaakov was the opposite. He did none of this. He was the same on the inside and the outside. He was straightforward, he was an honest. Guy. Rashi, however, takes this same idea, but with Rashi, you're going to see. I don't know if you perceive this in the same way I do, but I felt a twinge of negativity from Rashi. Rashi says, Tom, he is not an expert in any of this. That it is describing again in the beginning of the Passock that Asa ish sada yodayat zayed, that Asa. Possesses these specific talents, these abilities, and Rashi says, Eno baki e'la. What is it saying that he is a tam? He is not an expert in any one of these areas. In areas, bo whatever in his heart is in his heart, that is what comes out of his mouth. Misha karoy tam. So, someone who is not cut out for trickery, someone who is not cut out for cunning and slyness. That is someone who you would call a Tom. But the twinge of negativity that I got from Rashi is similar to what um, to what Jossi was saying. In that it may border on simplicity to the point of almost being like laid back or relaxed. That very, very simple. And I picked that up slightly from Rashi. That, That Esau had the unique talents, the unique abilities, even if they were negative. And Yaqul was just an Ishtam. He was a simple man. What you saw is what you got. There wasn't so much to him. So whereas Rashi isn't saying very differently from the Malbin or from the Ibn Ezra, I did feel a little bit more negativity from Rashi than I did from the other two. But still, we seem to have a generally very positive picture, whether... um, whether Tam is honesty, the opposite of Esav. We're getting that Esav is the bad guy here. Yaakov is the good guy. He is honest. He is straightforward. Everything he does, what you see is what you get. You know this is a solid guy. The Kliyakar makes a very interesting point. And the Kliyakar says, The Yaakov ishtam Shenulad makul l'daat razal. The Chazal tell us that he was born with a bris milah. Therefore, he had an extra level of protection from arayot, from illicit relationships. He had this meek quality of loyalty to his wife and Gezer min Arayo. That Yaakov was born perfect to the extent that he was born with a bris milah. And lastly, just another one of the Mepharshim, as if we didn't already have enough opinions, that it's perfect, wholehearted, honest, simple. We still have tons of explanations here, each with their different nuance. But lastly, to add in Rabbi the Yaakov kivan Wouldn't it have made more sense to say Yaakov ish, ish that Yaakov is known for honesty, why didn't it say Yaakov was a man of truth? Mima amar hanavi, titin emes Yaakov. where do we learn that Yaakov's Mida is MS? From the statement in Michah, titin emes Yaakov aval husif beor b'milat tam, shehu romezet milat emet. That But here we are adding in, he already has his midav, emet, and here we seem to be adding in derech remez to the midav, emet. We add the word tam. um, So the first thing is that, why is it a hint to emet? Because we're still using two of the letters from the word emet when we say tam. So one is that it's really just hinting to the midav, emet, that someone who is Tom is straightforward and is honest. Honesty is MS. It's really just all one Mita. Other places they, call, they name him with the name Emmet. Here they call him Tom. It's really just one hinting to another. However, he brings in another approach Ramazut, o Chehua bin Ha'alin Liamin Another hint that it could be is that it hints to the Shoresh of tiyomet, which means to be the balance between the right and the left, to be that length, to be that moderator between conflicting sides. d'ata How would we understand this? That Yaakov contains... Um, contains four letters, one, one of which is a kuf. Kuf is the letter that hints to Akadish Baruch according to Rabbi Akiva. Again, Rabbi Akiva was the one that Dorish called Tag the Tag. He was able to tell us about every letter in the Torah, every crown on every letter. So, Yaakov, so Rabbi Akiva used to delve into the different letters, and Yaakov, he said, um, was very connected to HaKadosh Baruch because he had a kuf in his name. So Kuf connects us to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem is the one who is that connector, who is that one who bridges different sides. Hashem is the greatest unifier. And what we learn here is that Tam can be a hint to Ti Yomet, which means to be that moderator between two different sides. Lastly, lastly, in the Shari Ora, in the, um, in the fifth Gi, in the sixth Sphera. He states, and Yaakov was an innocent man dwelling in tents. This is to say that Yaakov represents the middle way, like the tie of the lulav that holds the two sides of Hadassim and Aravot together in the middle. So Yaakov held together two tents, the tents of Avraham, which one was Chesed, and the tents of Yitzchak, which was Din. This is the secret of, and Yaakov was an innocent man dwelling in tents. For what reason did it use the plural tents? It should have said that he dwelled in a single tent. This teaches that Yaakov's essential characteristic was to stand or sit between two tents and to hold them together, the right and the left, such that Avraham and Yitzhak were bound to him. So the Shari Ora is saying that Yaakov at his essence was a moderator, a unifier, he was the one connecting the two different sides, and in his case, that was being able to merge the midah of Avraham Avinu with the midah of Yitzhak Avinu and bring them together in one path. So he was able to take the chesed and the din, the gvuran, he was able to blend them together into emes, which again, Nubach Bach, said, is hinted to by the word tam. So we have many different explanations, but we had many different explanations before. We still don't quite understand what it seems that we are being told quite clearly about Yaakov, I mean, it was still so murky. Was he perfect? Was he innocent? Was he laid back? Was he wholehearted? Was he honest? Was it all of these things? Was it one of them specifically? What are we really learning here about Yaakov Avino? Again, when we get such a clear descriptor of the Pasuk, we can't ignore it. We need to really understand this very clear very illuminating descriptor that we are given about one of our abos in order to understand as we as we say what happened to our forefathers is a lesson for us we cannot let something so clear just slip away we must try to understand further what it is so let's look maybe the dictionary will have narrowed down all of these opinions so if you look in the jastro dictionary definition which i have here for you on the page Unfortunately, there are still three descriptions. The first is that tam means perfect or unblemished. This would be similar to the Kliakar who told us that Yaakov was born with a bris milah, that he was perfect, that he had no blemishes, that he was completely perfect. The second one is that we can say it means similar innocent, or artless. that this one seems a little less that it's about perfection and something we should aspire to, and more that's something that is a personality type, something that's simple or innocent, nothing bad, but nothing great, just simple. And lastly, we have an interesting twist into the plot, which is that later in the Gemara, This word tom is going to take on a very different meaning, and that meaning is a shore tom, which is the opposite of a shore muad. A shore muad is a bull um, that has been warned before, that has bored at least three times and has been warned and now reaches a status of a shore muad, one that is forewarned and therefore will be treated differently in the case the damages occur. A shore tom is a bull that has not gored three times, has not been warned. This is seen as an innocent animal and would therefore have a different level of punishment if it were to gore. So we still have many different explanations. Is Tom this amazing, amazing mida of perfection, complete honesty? It seems like really a top, top level mida. Or is it just a personality type? Simple, nothing too crazy, straightforward, honest, but simple, laid back, nothing fancy. Or is it a different type of innocent that is thrown in by the shore, Tom that it seems to be that it's not perfect, it's not any of the other descriptors we've used before, it's more of a pleasant or, yeah, more of a, just a pleasant animal, not one that has become proven to be violent. So this third one kind of throws for a loop and is a little bit harder to put back into our pasta because what does that mean? If we were using it as like innocuous, I guess it would be the same thing as innocent, So that approach didn't really work for us looking in the dictionary. So now we have all the Mufarsim who give us a bunch of explanations. We have the dictionary who kind of just took all of that and as we would expect, kind of just gave us the multiple definitions that were found in the text. So perhaps let's look at the different examples where this word comes up in Tanakh because that is often a good way to understand what the intention was, is that when the word is plucked out of this situation, and put into different places in Tanakh, we we may understand better the connotation that it's meant to give. So prior to our Pasuk, the word, or the Shoresh of the word Tam, comes up two different times. One is in relation to Noach, and one is in the Pasuk we already mentioned about Avraham. In Baruch's parak, Vav, elah told us, Noach, Noach, Ish, Sadiq, Tamim, Hayab, Vetha Lokim hitalech Noach. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless in his age, and Noah walked with God. So therefore, this translation that I'm using here says, Ish sadik, he was a righteous man, tamim, which you can actually see in the tamim below. I don't know many of the trap or the tamim and different things that guide our reading, but there are two... There are two parts of the tamim that are important for us to know. When there are small um, curved brackets that connect two words, that means that it's as if that's a word group. So if you look, there you will see the word groups in the pasuk broken down by these tamim, by these little symbols in the bottom. So each each tzadik is one, and tamim hayav b'dorosav is another one. So the translation here is that Noah was a righteous man. He was an ish tzadik. Tamim haya bedorosav. He was blameless in his age. He was innocent, innocuous, compared to those terrible people around him. He was completely innocent. But in Beresh's Parak we come along, we use this word again, He Avram tshim avram ani kel <laughs> HaShem comes to Avraham and says to Avraham, walk before me and be tamim. Here it translates in my translation as be blameless. So again, be innocent. But here I would say it's just as unclear as in our focus, Pasuk, what is really going on here. tamim. <laughs> what should you be? What are we aspiring to be? Later on in Sefer Shemos, we have an, a, another use of the word Tam that is going to follow us through most of the rest of Tanakh, which is the clear use of the word Tam to mean perfection. This happens to be the specific instructions for the Karbam Pesach in the original Pesach Mitzrayim, but this is an idea that is carried on throughout of Sefer Vayikra, throughout Bamidbar, for the rest of our history, is that an animal that is brought on the Mizveh, that is brought as a Karban, must begin as Tamim. It must begin as perfect. It must be without blemish. So this would again hint to the idea that we saw before that Tam means physically perfect. That there is no psula, there is no garbage left within this animal. That this animal is perfect. It has no mum. It has no harm done to it. It is completely perfect. In VaYikra, we get another mention where we start using different forms of the same shorash. Usfarta <speaking> machemimacharat <in Hebrew> hashabbos miyom haviyachemet omer tenufa shabbat shabbatut Tihiyana, this is the commandment to count Spirit HaOmer from the second day of Pesach all the way until Shavuot. And we are told, usfartam lacham mimacharan haShabbos from the day after, so from after the first day of Pesach, we should count seven weeks. miyom haviachem haOmer haTinufa, Sheva Shabbatot We are told that we will count seven weeks. And this is meant to be, Sheva Shabbatot T'mimot Tihiyana. This is going to be seven, to t- me, weeks. What does this mean? It seems like it would be the definition that we had that it means also perfect. That it has to be seven completely perfect weeks. And honestly, that is the idea that is brought down. L- ha- l- ha, that, that is why we have the rules that if you skip a night or you're unable to make a bracha at one point, you would be out of the race when it comes to So, Saumer, because we have to have Shava Shabbatot Tmimot. This idea also comes into play when it comes to the idea of taking in Yom Tov early. Then on Shavu'ot, you cannot take in Yom Tov early at all because we have to have Shava Shabbatot Tmimot. We have to have seven perfect weeks. So the definition perfect seems to make sense. Honest, straightforward, wholehearted would not make any sense here now that we're not talking about human beings, we're talking about inanimate objects. So in the Vayepra Rabba, though, however, it says, Shavu'ot chukuk tzir yishmar l'cha, yishmar l'anum mirichot ra'im, ve'im atai b'ilu sheva shavatot Pesach So we are talking about here the seven weeks that are between Pesach and Shavu'ot. Tani rabichia, sheva shavatot mimot tihiena. Seven perfect weeks it's high hint what makes them to mi mo what makes them perfect bizmanchi charo sin ritsuno shalmako it's not simply that it has to be 7 days times 7 weeks 49 perfect full days rather it is mahinchi mi mo bizmanchi charo sin ritsuno shalmako when is it that these weeks will be perfect When we strive to follow Hashem perfectly during those times. So what makes those seven great weeks? Seven great weeks of complete commitment, complete following the words of Hashem. The Ktaba Kabbalah quotes this Vayakra Rabba and says Tani So again, it just simply calls the ve'efaraba tiv sheikar al So why doesn't it say It has to be seven full weeks. It could have written that because this is a descriptor of the quality of those seven weeks, not the quantity of those seven weeks. That yes, it has to be seven weeks, but it has to be seven perfect weeks, seven tam weeks, not seven shalim weeks. While it does have to be seven shalim weeks, we are adding a comment on the ikhut, on the essence of what these seven weeks are. These are seven weeks of perfectly following the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that is why it used the word tmima, because it is meant to be perfect, and pure in that we are all following ritzun no not simply in that it is the full number of these enemies. The Tanakh then moves on throughout more of Tanakh. We see again this use of the word Tan. The message I mean to drive home is that usually if we would have all of these different explanations from the different mafarshim, but then we would begin to learn, to look through the rest of Tanakh, we would begin to see how others simply fall away, that some of the answers don't seem to be correct. However, the roadblock that we're hitting is whether it's looking in the dictionary or whether it's looking through the rest of Tanakh, each and every one of these explanations still seems to make sense. So we are still a little bit confused over what, who exactly was Yaakov? We look at Yaakov, are we seeing someone simple, someone kind of laid back? Or are we seeing this amazing perfection that we don't see in the other Avos, that the other Avos were still on their way there, and Yaakov reaches this level of perfection. So then, when the Tanakh moves on to how we should act, maybe then we would get more guidance there. In Devarim it says, You should be with Hashem your God. Rashi comments there tamim tiyam mashamul kaho hitalif imo between you should go with him in with tamimut utzitapello the lord hakor ahar ha attitude ela kor kabel bet bimut and imo the lkhalko Rashi comments here what is it saying the haye tamim to tamim tiyam mashamul kaho that you should be Tammim with Hashem, your God, it means that you should approach God with this mida of Tmimas. That you should go before Him wholeheartedly with the, without trying to investigate all of Hashem's ways, without trying to truly understand and get something some sort of guarantee about the future. You should completely and totally be one with Hashem, you should be tamim in your approach to Hashem, that you should approach it with a sort of simplicity, but more to our direction of a wholeheartedness, that you wholeheartedly are with Hashem, that you believe Hashem 100%. It's not that you speak of emunah, every other word is barach Hashem and barach Hashem and emir Hashem. But it should be that what you truly, truly believe is that Hashem is in control of the world, and therefore you should not question Hashem, you should not worry, you should just completely and totally be with Hashem. The Kav Hayashar quotes there and says, be wholehearted with Hashem. You must know that the trait of wholeheartedness, which he described, ascribes to this pasuk of Tamim Tiam Hashem Elokecha, is being wholehearted is you must know that the trait of wholeheartedness is the loftiest of all the praiseworthy qualities and traits that a person must acquire. Therefore, it states regarding our forefather, Yaakov, and Yaakov was a wholehearted man, dwelling in tents. Surely, Yaakov possessed numerous holy qualities and traits, such as piety, awe, humility, holiness, and purity. Nevertheless, Scripture does not identify him with any of these traits, but only with that of wholeheartedness. As it is stated, and Yaakov was a wholehearted man. Clearly then, wholeheartedness must encompass all the other praiseworthy and holy characteristics. And indeed this is so, for if a person is humble but has the flaw of pursuing wealth, or if he yearns for a certain sin, he is not whole in his deeds. Such a person is likened to a beautiful blessed vessel with many chips and cracks. But if a person is wholehearted and complete in every praiseworthy treat, and is God-fearing, beloved, charitable, dwelling in the earthy tents of Torah and toiling in Torah by night, then when his soul expires, he will merit dwelling in the heavenly tent. The Yaakov was a ish tam yushev He was completely and wholeheartedly united with Hashem, and he completely dwelled in the tent of Hashem. That he al- he completely allowed belief in Hashem to encompass him. He believed it a hundred percent. Through and through, he was a ma'amin. He was completely dwelling in the tent of Hashem. And just a few more examples until we get to one that's really going to throw us for a loop. And anyone who's really been saying the entire time, Yaakov ish, Tom, is saying, come on, Emma, we know what the most common use of this word Tom is. We'll get there. Don't worry. We're not going to skirt around the issue. But until we get there, in Devarim, we have Hatsor Tamim Palo, Now Hashem begins to be described as Tamim. Ki mishpat In ve'in avel tzadik v'yasharhu. The rock, which is Hashem, Hatsor Tamim Palo, his deeds are perfect, yet all his ways are just. A faithful God, never false, true and upright is he. So Hashem is now being described as Tamim with the language of the word perfect. That makes sense because we know that Hashem is our example of perfection. So it makes sense that we would use that definition of if Tmimut is being perfect, then to describe Hashem. But that in turn makes it more troubling to describe Yaakov Avinu as tammim, because can a human being really be perfect like a Kaddish Hu? But in Tehillim, we say, Mizmor leDavid Hashem so Hashem, we ask in say to Tehillim, Hashem, who should dwell in your holy tent? He who lives without blame, someone who is completely innocent, who does what's right, and who knows in his heart what is right and wrong. So here we are being told that Tamim is innocent. That, that makes sense. Someone who is able to completely dwell with Hashem is one who is totally innocent, who is like the shore, Tom, who is innocent, free of sin, has not yet or has not proven that he will be of any danger, has done anything wrong. And then, a, lastly into Tehillim, Torah Hashem Timima, Meshivas Nafash, Idas Hashem Nemana, Meshkimas Pasi. Torah Hashem Tamimah. Now the Torah is being described as Tamim. So first we have Yaakov Avinu. First we have Noach. We have Abraham. We have Yaakov. We have every karban has to come from an animal that is Tamim. We then move on and we have weeks that are described as Tamim. Then we have Hashem be described as Tamim. We have the Torah be described as Tamim. That what is Torah Hashem Tamima? The Bechor Shor comments. It says, Torah Hashem Tamimah al The Bechor Shor means, what does this mean, that Torah Hashem t'mimot, that the, the Torah of Hashem is tamim, that it, it, it testifies on everything b'tmimot perfectly, that the way the Torah records everything, the way the Torah testifies on every story and every fact is perfect, davar, that nothing is left behind. I see we're seeing, we're getting some chats in the chat. Um, Tamim modern definition could be having no agendas other than serving God. That is definitely an interesting thing. We're going to see if that's going to work with all of them because in a moment we are going to try to make all of these different definitions work. I'm sorry I seem to have missed chats from before, but also, and there are those that believe that Yaakov tricked his brother into giving him the birthright, and he tricked his father, tricked his father, into his father into his father into giving. God. Susan just pointed out that. It is a little troubling to describe Yaakov as an ishtam if we're saying that that's in terms of having no aspect of this trickery or this slyness. Many of our other definitions would still hold true, but that one seems to be troubling. And previously, we had Yaakov later learn how to trick his father-in-law to get his fair pay. So we have had it pointed out that that one definition gives us a little trouble, that he is the complete opposite of Esau because he doesn't know how to trick. He is not a trickster. That one's a little bit of trouble because the whole story that we see after this is that he is a trickster in a different way, but he does trick his father. But one can say, if we are going according to some of the other definitions, that um, as we had last in the chat, that the modern definition would be having no agendas other than serving God. That if we're using some of the other definitions of tammim, of perfection, of honesty, of being one on the inside and the outside, even though externally he was tricking someone, it was very clear internally and externally that his, what his agenda was. That he was there to serve Hashem and to serve Hashem alone. He had no personal interest in this. Rather, he simply wanted that bracha. So it could still be this element of perfection and this element of toho Kiburo, that what's on the inside is what's on the outside. That even though it may have appeared that he was trying to trick somebody, it was still all in the agenda of Avodah Hashem. But now we have our problem. We've mentioned Tanakh, we've mentioned Mepharshim, um, we've gone throughout, we even got to the Gemara with the Shortam, But now we are sitting at the Pesach Seder. And we open up our Haggadah. We have just sung Avadim Hayinu. And now we get to Baruch HaMakom. Baruch HaMakom, Baruch Hu, Baruch SheNasen, Torah, Li'amu Yisrael, Baruch Hu. Can I get Arba Banim Divra Torah? The Torah speaks to four sons. Echad Chacham. One is wise. The Echad Rasha and one is wicked. The Echad Tom and one is Tom. The Echad She'i no And if you ask any child how would you define um, how would you define Tom? What would you say about this son? They would say, Oh, that is the simple son. I'm so sorry, I just need to plug in my computer one second. got a full tour of my house. Um, they would say that this Tom is the simple son, but it's not so simple to say that this is the simple son, because then we're saying that we have settled on that definition. The Yaakovs in each Tom, this clearly means he is simple, but simple is not always what we think of as so great. So many other of these definitions seem so much better to describe Yakov. And to fit so much better into so many of these other examples that we have throughout Tanakh. How come when it comes to the Haggadah, we just say he's the simple son and his question seems to support that. But we then continue on. Tom, mahu omer. We already went through the wise son. What does he say? The wicked son. What does he say? We're now to the Tom. Tom. what does he say? Mazot. What is this? You should respond to him and you should say with Hashem's strong arm he took us out of Egypt. So this seems to really throw us for a loop because even if we didn't want to define him as simple there's no, simple, there's no question more simple than Mazot What is this? Even the Russia, the wicked son asks a much more complex question and the answer we give him is the most simplistic answer we could give about Chag That what is all this? That Hashem took us out of Egypt. And it gets even a little bit tougher to swallow when you look in the Gemara Yerushalmi in Masech Sachim. Tani Rabbi Arba Banim Dibra Torah. The Torah speaks to four types of sons. Ben Chacham, Ben Rasha, Ben Tipish. The Yerushalmi does not use such nice language. He says we have the wise son, we have the wicked son, and we have the tipish, the stupid son. And the one who doesn't even know how to ask. So now we've gone from simple to downright tipish to stupid. And lest we should want to disconnect them from one another and say, oh, maybe that's an alternate definition we can describe Yaakov as Tom in one place, and we can describe the son that's Tom in another way. We don't need to connect the two. It's just by chance that the same word is used. Rabbi Nachman in Lukutse Maharan specifically connects the two and says, No, each of the Avos represents one of the sons. Yitzchak Zebechinas Chacham. Yitzchak, he is the Chacham, the wise son. Ki Yitzchak because Yitzchak is named for schok, for laughter and simcha. Bechina, as it says in Mishlei, ben chacham yismach lev, and we know that wise sons bring joy and happiness to their parents. Esav, who ben Rasha. Esav is the Rasha. Yaakov, who ben Tam. Yaakov is the simple son, kimusha katuv, v'yaakov ishtam. That's an easy connection, says Rabbi Nachman. V'yishma'el hu b'china' ben she'ino yode'a l'sho. And Yishma'el is b'she'ino yode'a l'sho. Ki Yishma'el asa tshuva. Kimosham l'rabosinu z'chronam l'vracha ve'ikhar ha' tshuva. Ki b'china' tshinu yode'a l'sho. Why is Yishma'el b'she'ino yode'a l'sho? Because they say tshuva comes from a place of not being even able to ask. Ha'inila asa tshuva b'l'sho kaphara me'ashem yisparah. That what is tshuva, It's being able to turn to Hashem and ask for forgiveness because you didn't know the she'ino ol, the one who did not know is the one who is able to ask. So Rabbi Nachman saying here, oh no no no, don't ignore it, don't try to separate Yaakov Ishtam from the Ben Tam. Yaakov is the Ish is the Ben Tam. So, what is this meant to be? We have done a full exploration. We have talked about the Tom here, the Tom there, every explanation of what is a Tom. This mita of Tamimas still seems so unclear because, it, honestly, if it's going to be perfection, that's a little hard to aspire to. If it's going to be honesty, wholeheartedness, straightforwardness, Toho Kiboro being one person on the inside and the outside, that's something I want to strive for. If it's going to be simplicity or tips that we're going to be simple to the point of lack of knowledge, I don't want to aspire to that either. So what is this Mida of Yaakov Avinu? Jonathan Zasloff, who is a writer for the Jewish Journal and a professor at UCLA Law School, wrote an article that shared a profound insight into the meaning of Tom, that I believe after all this confusion, after all this investigation, gave me one well-rounded picture of what does it mean, the Yaakov-ish Tom. Tom is simple, but simple is profound. What does that mean? What is the Ben-Toms question? The question of the simple son is looking at everything at the Seder. He's looking at all of the people around the table. He's looking at all of his brothers, the, the Chacham and the Rasha and the Sheinu Yudelashul. He's looking at everyone there. And he's looking at the Matzah and the Murrah and the Seder plate and everything that is going on. He's looking at the Haggadah. And as opposed to focusing on one detail or another detail or another detail, He has the quality of temimus. What is that? The ability to look at this complex, complicated situation and bring it back to its essence. He's able to look at a situation and say, mazot, after all of this, everything going on, what is the essence of the situation we're in? And how are we meant to answer him? We are meant to say, that at the end of the day, we have the Karman Pesach, and we have the Matzah, and we have the Marah, and we have everything going on. We have the Seder, which is this complicated evening filled with so many Halachov. But Tom, when you focus us in on this lens of simplicity, of breaking things down to their essence, what are we here for? We are here that Hashem not only redeemed us from Egypt, but in the end of the day, we are here tonight because we are meant to feel that Hashem redeemed us ourselves from the land of Egypt. The Tom questions the essence of the situation. He breaks it down to its core, and that forces everyone around him to zone in, to break down a situation. Down to what it truly is. It could be understood as a teepesh. It could be understood as stupid. What? You're going to look around, you're going to see everything going on around me, you, and you're just going to say, What is all of this? But we don't see that example come up other places. The Yerushalmi is bringing up and saying, You could see it as teepesh. But we give this answer, we are reminded that that's not how we're meant to see it, because we give him this answer of, Ki Becho Zek'ad Hotiyah Nuhashem We give him that, that answer that hits at the core of the holiday. We are not meant to understand it as simplicity in a negative way. We are meant to understand it as a very positive quality. That it is simple but profound. Jonathan Zasloff brings up the question and the phase that many children go through, which is their why phase, where everything to a child, they are looking around at the world and they are asking the most simple, but in certain ways, the most profound question. Why? Why do we do that? Why? Mommy, why are you doing that? It can get quite frustrating, but half the time it's frustrating because you're really trying to think of the answer. We're going to school today. Why? Why? So we can learn. Why do we learn? So that we know more things? Why do we need to know more things? so that we can know more things? It breaks it down to the core of what we're doing and what we're here for. And that is the lesson of Yaakov Ishtam: that what is he? Is he wholehearted? Is he simple? Is he sincere? Is he perfect? Yaakov, we can say, was physically perfect, born with his body at the ideal form for a human being. He was able to look at a body. He was born makul, he was born with a brismila, meaning that Yaakov was born at the level of simple perfection. That the body is given to us in a way, and we usually need to tweak it to get it to its essence. But Yaakov was born that way, because he is this example of Tamimas. What is a body? A body at its core, at its essence, is a vessel to hold the neshama to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Yaakov had that simple perfection. He was born Mahul. he was born perfect, with the essence apparent in a way that it is not in the rest of us. Being cunning or deceitful, that's not the core, the essence of a human being. You're hiding, you're distracting from what a human being's core is. That is the point of being sly, is that you want to hide what is really going on. So stating specifically, not only that he was honest, but that it was using this word of tam, meaning the opposite of rama'ut, is telling us that he could not deal with this externality of trickery and slyness. Yaakov is a Jew that looks at the core. He can't handle all of that trickery. He is focused on the essence, what is really there, and therefore he did not have the ability to be that hunter. When it says that he was a moderator, he was the one in the middle, he was the one that brought two sides together, it's because what is the core of being able to bring together different sides? It's being able to narrow down to that one shared unifying point that is the con- point of connection as opposed to the point of disconnection. It's being able to look at what brings everything together as opposed to what separates it. So I believe this midav mimus is we are not looking for what one of these definitions and to say this one definition is correct. It's being able to look at all of it and saying, what is Yaakov Ishtam? Tam is simplicity honesty, perfection. It is all of these. And at the core of this is this idea that simple is profound. And simplicity is the ability to look at a situation with one clear lens, break it down to its core, and focus on what is at its essence. So the lesson that we can take from from Yaakov Avinu this week is how to look at the core and the essence of a situation. That Yaakov was an ish tam yoshev ohalim. He was able to sit in his tent. He was able to focus. He was able to focus what is on the core, most essential thing in this world, which is many say he was sitting there and he was learning Torah. That's what he was focused on. He knew what was real. And in today's day and age, I don't think any bracha or any midah could really be more important than the ability to stay focused on what is true and real in life. So may we be able to internalize this midav, to us, to apply it to ourselves, and to use the guide of Yaakov Avinu to focus us on what we want to remain committed to and what we want to remain focused on in life.